I see some guys in blue. I see some Jays fans over there. Got some Jays fans, all right. I mean, we can pretty much talk with the music playing, too. Should we give her the signal? Yeah, we'll give her the high sign. Whatever, yeah. It'll sound like more people are here if we talk while the music's going on. I just like hearing the sound of your voice over this music. It's, like a, <laughs> it's almost like a subliminal message. Like, 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 like Johnny Mathis. Ooh, there's a change reference. Johnny Mathis. All right. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Blue Jays Bites Podcast. My name is Brian Dott, alongside Matt DeMoranis, coming to you live from Town Brewing here in the heart of Blackstone on a nice and snowy uh, Monday night. A bunch of Jays fans showing up here. At Script Town, wearing their uh, wearing their winter gear. Um, Matt, need more snowstorms apparently. Apparently, like they're just done shoveling. Like, no, I'm gonna get a brew. Yeah. Listen to some Jay's talk, get a bird, order an old pizza, an old pizza. Um, so obviously not the weekend the Jay's fans wanted. Let's just start right off the bat. Let's call a Spade a Spade. Oh, I'll hit or miss. We got a. I mean, Sunday was a good day. I think, right? Yeah. We got a Here's how I woke up uh, Saturday or Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, Wake up the Hilton and stay the night there. <laughs> after after <laughs> going to the Gonzaga game, going to watch the Hilton, the Blues. And then I wake up in the morning and you know what's parked out in front of the Hilton? The Nebraska bus. And I just lost it. I was done. The yeah. Nebraska bus is out there getting ready. And so I went home to shovel and, and snow globe. But um, yeah, so Jays lose to Gonzaga. Uh, put up 92 points in the process. Um, in what Essentially, I mean, was a super entertaining game. I mean, yeah. uh, high, stuff, uh, high level stuff, especially both offenses. Um, and so we'll get into that. Women's volleyball loses at home in straight sets to Washington. Mm-hmm. So for a second straight year of hosting first and second round games, they don't make it out of Omaha in what um, obviously has to be a, a huge disappointment for Coach Booth and her program. So I know you were able to speak with uh, Angie Oxenberries, um, so we've got an exclusive interview with her, the assistant uh, coach for Coach Booth's program. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned Nebraska basketball comes to Omaha uh, Soto Arena on Sunday afternoon, and, and, and Coach Flannery's team gets the lone dub of the weekend. So uh, his team pulled everybody off the pedestrian bridge, right? <laughs> Apparently. It was too frozen, you couldn't get out of it. Oh, that's good. The, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, you can't come up here, sir. No. Um, but yeah, shorthanded, Flans team, uh, you know, gets uh, some production from, from Remo and some other folks. So they get it up, and now we go to a long week of waiting here before the next uh, major event on the calendar. But I'd be remiss if we didn't start off the bat, I think, Matt, with men's hoops. Um, because, you know, it was a big opportunity for the Jays to have a number one Gonzaga come to town. Um, the place was absolutely insane, I thought, right from the tip. Obviously, the start that the Jays had didn't hurt things in terms of getting the crowd involved, but um, I've seen a lot of, you know, the Jays played with them for 30 minutes, the Jays did well for 30 minutes. Uh, what was your impression? I know you and John did a Blue Jay beat after the game, but uh, just for everybody listening to the podcast at home, being there and watch this team, you're in practices, you saw what they were going to try to do against just an exceptionally talented and experienced Gonzaga team coached by one of the greats. What were your impressions maybe now a day or two removed from the game? Well, I thought going in, um, I mean, I've kind of come to this kind of idea that it doesn't really matter what kind of Creighton team or what kind of team Creighton has. Uh, what kind of injuries they're going through, or who the opponent is, and how well they're playing. Because 
I just think anytime Creighton is in that arena for a big game, they're going to find a way to compete and give themselves a chance to win. I mean, you go back to when, I mean, all the way back to when uh, I was a little younger and uh, that Nebraska team rolled in Barry Collier and Creighton had a match unit oh, that rocked the world. Like, 70, 70 to 44. Yeah, like, all the time. Barry Collier's all the time. It's in the first half type of deal. Like, that just blew the doors off the Huskers. And it's like, you know, you watch that 14, 15 team, like, push Nova, per se, Butler, beat Oklahoma. Um, like, all, like, I just kind of have, uh, you know, just confidence that no matter what is the situation, when they're in that arena and the crowd is lit up like it is, they have a shot. So I wasn't surprised that Creighton came out the way they did. You know, in the first three falls, the crowd loves that. They obviously love, they come with love three-pointers here in Omaha, you know, from the Kyle Porter, Ryan Sears, all the way on up here. Um, so I think you see Bob's falling, Tyshawn hit one, Mitch hit one, Davion hit one. Yeah. And they kind of got the crowd really into it. Early Samson probably this morning, you're like, well, he's not saying hit a three in the first half, so like everyone was rolling, the crowd was into it. I think um, in terms of the Jays' chances, I think they definitely missed an opportunity in the first half when Gonzaga was dealing with foul trouble uh, with Perkins, and uh, I think Ashley Moore picked up two. I did. Um, I thought they missed an opportunity, yeah. but they were up seven. They were playing well offensively for sure, um, and they attained Nick Norvell, or uh, Jay Norvell, the Jays should have maybe uh, doubled it just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they probably missed an opportunity to put a bigger cushion on it. Because I was expecting Gonzaga to come out of the gates in the second half, you know, and, and get that age trim down. And they did. I think they almost tied it up or um, got within one. Creighton pushed it back out. Davion's picked up in transition, pushed it back to seven. Um, and then you can see Perkins kind of take over the game a little bit. You know, they got the big run going. Norvell got on fire. Um, and I think once they got that six, seven, eight point lead, you really saw Perkins kind of um, show off his savvy air at point guard and his ability to control the game. I thought you talked about it off the air just before we started, but he, he did. He seemed like a little Jalen Brunson. Yeah. He knew what to do at that moment. He knew how to push it and when to push it or when to control it, work it back a little bit, especially navigating some of that foul trouble. And they just don't have as deep a bench right now as they will in right. a couple months. And so I think they he knew their personnel very well. He knew the pace. He knew how to take the crowd out of it. Because they did. They ran some deep shot clock possession. And when you execute that, right, it brings the energy, right? It's one thing to take 30 seconds to to get a good shot and miss it. It's another one to run that clock down and then have, like I know Coach talked about it in the postgame, a couple switches that the Jays missed on. And then not only have they run a really good possession of Zags, but then they've got an open shot at that point, and it executes. Mm-hmm. And so that's it does. It, it drains the energy, um, and it leaves you scrambling where then I think the Jays, uh, more than one trip, came down and rushed things for as good as Mitch was in a lot of facets of the game. I thought there were a couple times when Mitch Ballard rushed some threes uh, early in shot clocks. And I know you're trying to play your strengths, and you're still trying to do what you do. Um, but I think that kind of play right into the some quick shots for sure. And Damian, Damian took a couple. Uh, just like you mentioned, Tyshawn even forced a couple too. Um, so I think there was definite, you know, uh, I guess over anxiousness to get that back in quick bursts. Sure. You know, um, so I think they felt they let an opportunity go and find themselves down in a game they felt like they were controlling. I mean, they led for, I think, just over 26 minutes against Gonzaga. Like, compared to the Duke, they led for 12 seconds. So, right. I mean, to have a game where you're getting that much control and you feel like, 
to find yourself down in the most crucial part of the game probably frustrates you. Uh, and then, you know, I think, I think I, I came away from the game encouraged because I think Creighton kept fighting. Even when it seemed like Gonzaga put the thing away, you know, they, they, they had a chance to get a free throw to go down six, and, you know, they were creating havoc on with their full court press of not letting Gonzaga get the ball in and get the ball up easily. Um, so I was encouraged by the way they didn't really fold up, but, you know, just talking to all the players after the game, they're, I know they're early in the season and they still are a young group, but I think they're kind of getting sick of, like, the attaboys and stuff like that, and, you know, kind of feeling good about almost beating Ohio State, kind of feeling good about almost beating Gonzaga. Um, they, they, I, I, there's more sense of urgency out of their answers and their responses and their remarks after the game than I was probably expecting, considering not everybody, nobody was really expecting them to win that game. Um, so they're going to lose and play the way they did, I thought would be encouraging, but it doesn't seem like they're in too much of a mood to hear that anymore. So I think I'm getting a little bit of sense of urgency out of them in terms of how they want to finish the knockout before Big East play starts. Well, yeah, I mean, part of that too is this is not a new thing. Them. It might be from a non-conference perspective, but when you have Villanova coming to town every year, when you've got a, 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 a Xavier team that r- repeatedly and consistently gets top three, top four seeds in the NCAA tournament, you're used to having those teams come to town, and you're used to performing well. Uh, or trying to, at least. It's not a new kind of um, novelty for them. And so, yeah, I can see where the where the pressure's increased a bit because – you got Villanova last year, they ended up their last loss before the NCAA tournament run that they went on for another national championship. But uh, other than that, like, you can't just keep having close losses all the time. I mean, they gave away the Xavier game last year. J.P. Makura, you know, factored in to maybe take a little bit of a win too, but they had a healthy lead late in that one. But that's the way. After a while here, this 30 minutes doesn't cut it, right? I mean, you have to come out and you have to be able to go to the full 40, whether it's a one number one team in the country uh, or a future number one seed, they're expecting more from themselves, and I love that. But after a while, it's also got to be that monkey that's hanging on your back a little bit, and it can get frustrating. And see where it could, you know, for a guy like Mitch, who says all the right things, that, but uh, uh, sounds like, from your perspective, that he was pretty uh, on edge after that game, which is yeah. I see, but also frustrating for him. I mean, I, just think, I, I think talking to him and Davion and even Tyshawn in the press conference, I think, they just sound a little fed up. They, they, they just don't want to be – they don't want to be a team that has a bunch of close calls their whole career. They kind of want to take steps. Um, you know, Tyshawn was really eager about watching that film and figuring out – you know, because he had 27 points and five assists. Like, right. he had a really good game. Yeah, a really good game. game. So, like, for, as a sophomore, that's – you know, that's only stuff you can build on. But he was really frustrated because he kind of thought, you know, there were times where he rushed shots or – where he didn't make the right play, or where he didn't get the pain to make plays for others, despite leading the team in assists. So, like, he still feels like there's more for him to do, um, especially in that performance. So I think for him to be his own harshest critic in that moment is a good sign. Honestly, today's practice had a lot of edge to it. I mean, yeah. they spent – they're taking a lot of obviously, before they kind of get prepared for Nebraska. But today seemed like a game where they kind of wanted to clean up all the things they did wrong against Gonzaga. Um, and it was a lot, like 95% of it was defensive today. So they they just they challenged themselves. They had player huddles constantly, um, trying to get the attitude right, trying to make sure there's no slip-offs, um, no fighting through all the fatigue. Um, you know, today was definitely a toughness practice. So uh, they're going to take tomorrow off, um, and hopefully that whatever they did today kind of embeds in and, you know, sticks with them because – you know, it's a big game on Saturday. It always is every year. And Nebraska 
But we're talking about people that are fed up. You know, Nebraska has a lot of experienced players that are fed up losing to Creighton. So, you know they're going to come in fired up. Lincoln Crowell's going to be fired up. That's going to be a huge game. Creighton, for the first time, I think, all year, uh, Creighton blow out target on its back. Usually they've kind of been, sure. you know, when, you're, when you come in ninth in the Big East and um, in preseason rankings, not a lot of people are expecting, know what to expect out of you this year, but they're going to go to Lincoln with a target on the back because that's a game Nebraska wants really badly. Well, that's a game Nebraska needs, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but I think they can afford to lose Creighton. No, I'm not, not talking about it. I don't know that they need it for their schedule. I don't know that they need it for whatever this NET made up rating is that just seems so weird right now. Yeah, it's hard yeah, because Tim Miles has never been back. They need it because the Jays have owned Nebraska over the last 10 to 15 years. And they need it. I mean, that's a big optics piece for them. They get it on a Saturday at home. You know, 5 o'clock tip, say that place is going to be pretty jacked up, and they're gonna, they need it. And the Jays have plenty of opportunities, as will Nebraska. In terms of the schedule itself, the Big Ten seems to be a better conference, just top to bottom right now in terms of the way the rankings have set up. Ken Pond's another thing. Um, you know, a good Iowa team starts off conference play 0-2 right now after being bludgeoned by Michigan State tonight. Yep. That's a good lead. Yeah. So they'll have their chances, just like the Jays will have some chances, especially to, toward the top half of the, the Big East. Um, but I'm not sure that the Jays aren't in the top of the, the top part of the Big East right now. I, I mean, I've, I've watched enough Big East to think that at this point. I mean, I don't think – I think Xavier is clearly down. I think St. John's is playing with a little bit of a lot of factor going on right now. Yeah, you get a game where you're within striking distance, Shamari's yeah. got like that A factor that you can close it out for right. you. Um, but, I mean, you're playing a fight. They're not exactly challenging themselves in the knockout. So, yeah. for them to constantly have to dig out of these holes um, or grind out these wins with the short adventures they have, that's not going to last all season. But I tell you, I mean, they're, 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 I'm not sure what to think about that right now. You know, Villanova is Villanova, but, you know, they struggled to beat a winless LaSalle team on Saturday while Creighton was running with number one. Uh, but lost to St. Louis. Yeah. You know, Providence had to grind out some wins that aren't. Georgetown got a 10 point win tonight over, I think, Liberty. Yeah. I mean, but that's open to be. Right. They got a huge win this weekend over K State. Sure. And they're probably, in my mind, kind of getting together a little bit and probably emerging as the front runner in the league. Um, and they'll sort of be battle tested. I mean, they have yeah, a good yeah, experience. experience. Sound, like yeah, sure. Just, yeah. I'll put them definitely in one going at this point right now if our. Reset power rankings in the league, but power rankings, you know, power rankings. Uh, but Creighton is up there. I think they clearly have talent. Um, I think the style they play is, is tougher teams to deal with. Um, you know, and the only and the more confidence these young players get, Mitch Tyshawn, uh, Marcus, uh, you know, Jacob and Martin, you know, the only the better they're gonna get. I mean, I've always said that Creighton's. Best basketball. Yeah, their trajectory is upward this year, so they're only going to get better as the year goes on, in my opinion. But, but I think they have a real shot to compete in the Big East this year. How? Maybe this is just me, because I mean, I sit there and I watch Tyshawn play, and Tyshawn's had an amazing, as good a start to the season, especially in a backcourt player that the Jays have had in years. Um, but I think I guess it's telling to the both transfers and high school recruiting that Matt and his staff has done that if you would have told me that uh, uh, an off-guard would be putting up the type of numbers he's putting up now through two weeks of pretty decent um, competition, yes, uh, this early on five, ten years ago, not to try to make like, you know, lemonade out of lemons necessarily, but, you know, 
we never used to get those guys. And now I almost take his performances for granted because we've seen guys like Marcus, we've seen guys like Mary, we've obviously seen guys like Doug and other guys that could put up numbers in bunches. Um, Tyson's just the next guy on that list in that order, and I don't want to take it for granted because, I mean, what he's done so far at the start of the season has been pretty remarkable, I think, all things considered. Um, and, you know, when you talk about trajectory pointing up, he, he seems like he's got that alpha dog in him. At least he's trying to project that. Yeah. And I can tell from the first shot he knocked down against Gazaga, I mean, he turned to the crowd. He knew what he was doing. Mitch and some of those guys will do that sometimes, too. But Tyson seems to have kind of that gnarl, right? That that I'm going to be the guy uh, to his game, and I love it. And I, he's definitely backing it up right now. I just I hope that um, I hope that, that continues because they're going to need it this weekend, especially because you got a bunch of guys in the rest of that that grind to them. It seems like, and I think that's to be the biggest matchup of the of the of the weekend coming up as we transition into a little bit of a preview. Is can Tyson have success? You know that Nebraska's defense has been. Uh, pretty solid so far this season, and um, their guards are good defenders. So can can Tyshawn take what's coming? I know we talked about it after his performance out of the Cavens. You said it. He's going to get everybody's best scout. He's going to get everybody's best defender. He's going to get the doubles. He's going to get those things. You know, he's still got 27 on the number one team in the country, and he doesn't look like he's falling down at all. So can he keep it up in a game that the Jays? Um, we're going to need him to perform well to win down in Lincoln. And then another guy step up too when that double comes. Can a, can a, can a Mitch knock down a three? Can, a, you know, can they make the extra pass over? I feel like that's what I've seen so far. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the passing has been really good the last couple weeks, and it feels like everybody's playing with a little. Whereas those first couple of games when they're feeling things out, the ball seemed to stop a little bit. It almost just seemed like they weren't. And I think Matt talked about it on one of the post games. They just didn't seem like they were making that extra pass. They can't play selfish, and their offense really starts to click. You saw against the Zags when things were going really well. That extra pass or two gets them better looks, and you can just tell it, just, it improves things on both ends of the floor when they're communicating when they're making that extra pass. So mm-hmm. that, to me, is something that stuff, uh, stands out for this upcoming weekend because they're going to need that yeah. in a place that's going to be hostile with a team that's a good on-ball defensive team. And I think passing will be key, too, because I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of zone on Nebraska because I think the one most important key, I think, for this game is going to be the pace and who can control it because, you know, Nebraska doesn't have the numbers that can, that to run with Creighton. Um, they certainly don't have the shooting. So I think they want to, you know, keep that thing under 70 possessions um, if possible. And, you know, one of the ways to do that is to take that length and stick it in a one three one zone and, you know, kind of make Creighton think through their possessions and waste a lot of clock. And, you know, so I think passing is going to be key because you've got to nice that thing up. You can't ask up with the dribble, you gotta be able to pass your way through it. So, you know, finding the right guy in the right spot is gonna be key for this weekend. So yeah, I think, you know, passing's gonna be paramount, pace is gonna be paramount for sure. So I know you talked about practice being a, a pretty uh, chippy or intense one today. Any other kind of press nuggets for practice you wanna share with the listeners before we segue? Um, you know, it, it, I think it was just it was it was it was more competitive than I think normal start of the week practices are, I guess, but especially with them taking the day out tomorrow. Um, but I think there was like, you know, I think it was kind of like a wash the taste out practice. Like, like I said, they, I, I know the, the sentiment to, to take away from the Gonzaga game is that, you know, the Jays kind of played really well and, you know, there wasn't a loser type of thing. Like, you compete against the number one team in the country when 
when you're expected to be in kind of a down year, I guess, um, you take away only positives from that. And that was certainly a lot of the questions they were getting um, from, you know, just various media outlets, post game looked like, you know, how, how, how does it feel to be number one for as long as you did, the league the way you did, like, to take away the positives from it. Um, but I think today's practice was just like, look, you know, we lost. Like, that's the bottom line. And here's why we lost. So let's clean some of that stuff up. Let's show some, you know, some fights and intensity through those moments for the things that we thought cost us the game type of deal. So um, that's kind of what, what went on today in practice. And um, it was, you know, it was good energy for coming off of a loss. They didn't look demoralized. They didn't look defeated. Um, they looked hungry. So, you know, we'll see how well they can reignite that for the week ahead because, you know, usually I say at days off they kind of come in and that's usually when a clunker happens because you took the day off and kind of got rest and everything. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the guys in the gym tomorrow getting shots up just to keep the routine going, uh, even though it's not intensity and not, you know, uh, wearing, to turn the wear and tear on the body. But, um, yeah, when they get back to the floor, I think it'll be interesting to see how intense it is and how much of that, that – that kind of hunger they showed today carries over to the Nebraska prep. Yeah, the Jays on the road at Nebraska this weekend. It's one of the last, one of their last two non-conference road games. They play at Nebraska this Saturday and then uh, against Oklahoma in Norman, Oklahoma. Quite the gauntlet of games before the Jays come to town. They are in New York City for the Jimmy D Classic tomorrow night against Notre Dame, then they go play a neutral court, quote unquote, neutral court game against Wichita State in Oklahoma City. Then they host Southern California in Tulsa on the 15th, and then in Norman uh, against the Jays. So um, Oklahoma currently six and one, they're only lost a 20 point drumming in the second game of the um, battle for Atlantis. So that team, and Nebraska both serving as uh, Creighton's last opportunities, at least in the non-conference, to pick up quality road wins, which I guess maybe I'm not as close to these new NET ratings or net ratings as possible, but how valuable is a road win? I mean, I don't know if you've crushed the numbers yet. I, I can't make out what it is uh, quite yet. I haven't spent a ton of time looking. I didn't honestly think I'd have to learn a new it took me long enough to learn RPI and all these other ones, but uh, coaches talking about any of this stuff, I know they were used to talking to like the no. soccer coaches like Elmar who had all the RPI things figured out, they do exactly well, they have, yeah, yeah, so they can get a grasp on that. Like, yeah. That's the oldest, the, the metric is all this time, right? But no, I don't think, and no one I've talked to has kind of a grasp on the ADT, even, you know, even Bruce Rasmussen, um, who, you know, is coming off the social committee, he has, you know, kind of understands why they made it the way they did, I guess, but because um, it kind of seems to me when you look at it that there's some metrics that are kind of working against each other. You know, you've capped margin of victory, but you also measure offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, which in blowouts, those are inflated, both those metrics. So you kind of are using margin of victory, you know, roundabout way with those two metrics. So you've, you've capped it in one area of your formula, and then you're using another metric which you think is different, but it's really not. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it right now. Obviously, it's a small sample, um, but we'll just have to see because you know how it plays out 
uh, you know, I, I certainly think, I know that when they released it, before they released it, they used the formula for prior seasons, and they must have liked how, you know, close it was in terms sure. of accuracy before they decided to greenlight it, because... Which is a great way to go about it. I don't think they've ever gone to it blindly, so... Right. You'd love to just see how it plays out. I don't know how, who it benefits, what it benefits, how it benefits, who it benefits. Like, I want to see. Just win, baby. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's deal. Just win. I guess it simplifies things, right? Just yeah, yeah. play, yeah, maybe. But, yeah, we'll have to find out. I think everybody's kind of new at it right now. Okay, so Matthew Marines will be down in Lincoln. White Blue Review will be courtside down in Pinnacle Bay. Not courtside. We don't say courtside in Lincoln. What? Media's up in the corner of the area. They don't get courtside seats down there. Okay. <laughs> Wi-Fi is terrible. Yeah, the seats are very far away. Okay. Perfect. Well, <laughs> be maybe hitting one that tweets during the game and follow WBR for all the coverage of uh, of the in-state rivalry game this weekend as Tim Miles looks to maybe try to get his first win over Coach Mack in their head-to-head matchups, uh, Jays and Huskers. Okay, so... Segway hard into another depressing fall day. We're not going down the with it. We might as well before we bring it back up. Bring it back up. Back up. Back up. as the rescuer. Following. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so Craig Volleyball picks up the dub on Friday night yeah. in South Dakota. And things are pointing up for them. Then they run into a Washington Huskies team that leaves real no doubt, I guess. Um, I don't know. I like to watch the volleyball program from afar, but I am less than an expert on it. But it seemed to me like there was really never a doubt in that match. Um, and when the Jays did have a nice uh, opening there in the third set that Washington just really closed the door rather quickly, it seemed. Um, interested in your perspective before we listen to Coach uh, Barron's talk about um, the experience from the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty wrong in my assessment. No, I think it's not necessary. I think the start of the match was really good. Sure. You know, I think, you know, Sam, Sam Bonet came out and dropped two aces. Yeah. Jay Lerner got a kill. Like, everything I thought Craig needed to do in terms of setting a tone, especially from their experienced players, um, was good. I thought they got off to a really good start, and they were, you know, executing the things that they normally do. Uh, they looked like Jays, so, you know, but eventually, you know, I think I started to kind of get a grasp on it not being great when Washington's hitting the edges, he continued to stay at a high clip. Um, so Creighton's having a tough time keeping them out of system. Um, they were a tough time blocking them. And then Washington's blocks are going to get going too, which, you know, you watch that number and you're like, okay, it's 15-15, it's 14-14. But Washington's like at 480 clip and creates at 100. And Washington's blocking a lot. Their, their server team looks fine. Certainly better than those against St. Mary's. Sure. So like all the recipes for how Creighton is successful weren't panning out as the first set wore on. So you're like, okay, something needs to change here in terms of how efficient Washington is versus how inefficient Creighton is. In order, change. in order for it to go Creighton's way, because you're not going to hit 300 points lower than a power five team to win that match. Like, they just got, you know, physically watching the matchup with a fine. Uh, you know, they certainly had great athletes and talent. They're a little young, which probably explains why they're, you know, on the first place. Sure. As opposed to where they're normally at, hosting home. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it looks like it was trending in the wrong direction. And the, the, the kicker, finally, was 
Um, the way the way Washington finished that first set, they aced Brittany with it twice, yeah. and blocked the winners twice. Right. So that was like Washington going after the horses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that wasn't Washington finding the weak links. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was sure. just like, hey, we're going after your libero of the year here, and we aced her twice. We're going after your biggest player of the year here, and you know, biggest player in a lot of history, your program's history, and we're blocking her twice. And that's how they won the first set. That to me was like a giant loud exclamation point. Like, like, hey, we didn't just win that first set, but we kind of just took your weapons and neutralized them to win. And then so like, I kind of see a little bit, you know, the the the, the doubt kind of crept in on some of the faces of the Craig players. I think. Um, did you say that? Zumat was one. She, you know, she has a really good emotional barometer. She's really, really high on things are going well. Sure. You know, fresh refreshing. She played well. She brings a lot of energy. In South Dakota, she was amazing. Yeah. Uh, she was amazing in the second half of the Big East schedule and the Big East tournament. She played great. Um, she was flying high. But I think when Washington was, you know, was kind of giving her problems on the pin, like, you kind of see, like, the confidence fade a little bit, hmm. which is a part of a young player. It's not like I'm sure the kid. She's going to get better at that. But it was apparent that Washington was taking control, and it wasn't just apparent in the play, it was apparent in Creighton's reaction to what was going wrong. Interesting. And once you kind of got on your heels, once Washington got them on their heels a little bit, it just kept going and going and going, and they couldn't stop it until the third set. So Creighton had to go to the locker room down 0-2, right. kind of regroup and get fired up again. Um, you know, they came back in the third set and, you know, fought like they've done all season. Uh, for some of those seniors, their entire career, they definitely didn't lay down for Washington and let them kind of a lot of times when teams go down 0-2 and they're kind of getting demoralized and just dismantled, I guess, the third set is usually just a wipeout. You know, sure. kind of see that thing over from the start. Usually the team that's in control will start like a 5-0 run to, to gain some separation and they'll just blow it out to a 10-point um, win in that set and it won't look very competitive. Creighton uh, kind of flipped the switch there. They you know, they came out, they, they made some adjustments. Uh, they fought back and tried to you know, get things going. Um, and you know they had a chance to finish that and extend it to a four set. They were up 23-20. They thought they had game point, uh, but Washington got an overturn on a challenge. Uh, they cut it to two, then they got a block and a kill, tied up, and they just finished it out from there. So you know you really got to credit Washington. They just played a heck of a match. Um, they took Creighton out of the things that Creighton wanted to do. Um, they made Jay Winters and Terry Clove hit shots that that they aren't typically comfortable hitting. Um, they kind of took away their strengths for sure. Um, and yeah, it just, it just, the first two sets just kind of snowballed. Washington was really efficient. They were really good on the block. They were really good in serve receive. They were really good at passing and all the things that are keys to victory in volleyball. It's kind of a, it's kind of a simple game. Um, if you can do those things well, you have a chance. And you know, it was just too big a goal for Creighton and Washington had too much momentum. And then the third set, uh, you know, it was tough to watch it in that quickly, for sure. It was kind of like a little bit of a shell shock, but, um, you know, I don't think, I certainly don't think it's the way they wanted it to go or expected it to go, you know. I think they thought Washington was good, but I don't think they expected to have that much difficulty doing what they do. They probably expected more of a battle um, throughout, but it is what it is, and that's the reality of it. It ended, and you kind of got to just, um, you know, show your appreciation for what it was, because it's, Let's, they're losing like some stars, man. Some some really really special volleyball players. Like it's not gonna be just a plug and play type of thing. You know, you certainly have faith in the coaching staff that they'll get it. You know, that they'll keep it to this level. But 
we're not, we're not talking about special daily winners and tearing clothes apart or nothing. Like, you'll just replace those players without some struggle. So, sure. You know, there's a lot of young players that are on this roster right now that are going to have to go through some growing pains in order to get back to that level that the, those kids are at. But, you know, it's uh, tough to see definitely those seniors go out like that because, you know, their career started off so promising. Um, getting to this business team that freshman year, the elite eight or sophomore year, kind of like think the, the, the stars are aligning for Craig to ascend into the elite status. Sure. And they did to an extent, but you kind of felt like with well, a final four in Kansas City as juniors, and that's a chance to blow through there. They hosted for the first time. Like, there were still like milestones being checked off along the way, um, a lot of accomplishments, and you kind of felt like because of how they started their careers, I think it kind of spoils the people because. Um, you know, I sort of saw some frustrating reactions on Twitter that kind of blew my mind. I couldn't believe people would say the things they would say because it just requires a complete and total lack of perspective on things. But, you know, when you get a little taste of it, you get a little taste of it, you're like, okay, you need another one. I want more. And nobody wanted it worse than, I promise you, nobody wanted it worse than those players. So, they definitely were not expecting to have this be their final weekend of volleyball. Um, but that's the reality of it. They, uh, their season comes to an end. So, another, you know, they had 29 wins tied to school record, so I mean, it's not like it was for not, but they certainly had bigger goals. Yeah. Um, we did put a, we did put some, uh, we did put a call for questions out on Twitter uh, early in the evening, so we'll, we'll follow up with some answers to that. We have a couple that have already come in, so we'll hit on those. Obviously, people still interested in, uh, Craig and Gonzaga in kind of our review of that now, so that's great to see some questions come in, but before we get to that, I know we have an interview, exclusive interview that you were able to do with AG Axie Barron's uh, assistant coach for the volleyball program. Uh, before you set that up, I mean, you talked about the players and nobody wanted it more than the players. Can you just for a couple minutes take us inside what that coach's room feels like after a game like that, after a season ends like that? I know you've been close to the volleyball program now for years, and you know Coach Booth and her staff very well. What's it like? Obviously, it's not going to be great, but can you explain to, to Jay's fans out there what it's like when something like that happens, especially now back-to-back years with it happening at home? Kind of what, what does that feel like? What does that look like? I don't know if I have a big picture grasp on the two seasons and the way they ended. I think, I think, I think last year they, they lost a really good Michigan State team, and I think certainly their draw was really difficult. Um, you know, I think this year, the Washington team they played was really young, kind of going through some growing pains. Um, but they were still really talented, so, but it wasn't like, I don't think it was a daunting task. Uh, I don't think they were as good as the Michigan State team creating Mossy last year, certainly. But, you know, it wasn't an easy draw either, but, you know, I don't think there's, I think there's a little bit of shock. Um, in the fact that their season's done, because I think they thought their matchup was pretty good. You know, I thought they were, I probably thought Washington was going to present some challenges physically, but not anything that Craig hadn't seen before. You know, sure. they faced big blocks against Nebraska, against Illinois. Um, they faced Pac-12 teams against USC, Kentucky. You know, it wasn't anything they were prepared for, but mm-hmm. it just didn't go their way. And I think one of the things from the coaches is that they probably felt. A little bit more that this team had a chance than than maybe even in years past, uh, and I think you saw that from the reaction that Kirsten Bertholdt had in the post game press conference because 
you know, I've been out, I was out in Austin when the season ended there in the early day. Um, I was in Topeka when Oregon State beat them one and done, you know, before in 2014. Sure. Um, you know, I've seen these end of year press conferences last year. Almost yeah. Now. Right. And, 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 and Coach Booth does a really, really, really good job at keeping everything in perspective and, and, and you know, she's really process driven in how she develops the program and how she develops the season. Um, and she keeps that perspective even in that moment right there. Like, she hates losing, but she also kind of like, you know, when she has to say goodbye to the seniors in front of the media, she's very, she's been very calm and stoic about how she says these people are going to have, you know, if, if losing no matches, the worst thing that ever happens to them. And Jaylee echoed that. Jaylee, Jaylee said it herself in the postgame. So that's something Kirsten says a lot. Um, but when it came time to kind of, talk about what this group actually means to her. She got emotional. For, emotional for the first time since I've been covering her. She's never gotten like that ever. So yeah. you kind of, you saw right there sure. a glimpse of truly, I, I'm not like, it's not hyperbole, how special these players were, like how much they changed, what Creighton Volleyball expects out of itself, um, how much their, their, their status has changed nationally. Um, and like I said before, like, you know, Jalen Winters is the GOAT. Like, he just, like, the, the greatest player in all of history, in Jay's history, said, you know, went to make it out of the first weekend of the tournament in the last two years. And based on how the first two years of her career went, right. the fans were like, no, man, that's not how it was supposed to go for Jalen. Like, sure. she gave us so much that first year, her and Taryn, that it's, it wasn't supposed to end like that. The fairy tale was supposed to, like, you know, I mean, I, mean, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot go without saying because we've talked about this now the last couple shows we've had the parallels to Doug McDermott's back. I'm, try, I'm pulling the Tom Chantel here, right? Okay. And we're going to talk about one sport by paralleling it to another. I think so, it's fair though. But as we talked about her place in the echelon of great athletes, and you mentioned Doug repeatedly. That's how I felt leaving Soquel Arena on Saturday night. I felt like I felt when I got to watch that second game in San Antonio that year. You know what else is that is a fan came down to me after, like, seconds after that, as Creighton was, like, huddling up to kind of say goodbye to their teammates. Like, sure. They're like, dude, that felt like Baylor. Right? Like, a fan came to me and said that. So you're not the only one who said that that, no. that thing felt hard, as heart-wrenching as that Baylor game in San Antonio felt. Because I mean, felt there. the parallels, too, in that, again, I don't know the details and the intricacies of volleyball, but I know that the Jays got, like you talked about earlier, I mean, it, it kind of worked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a better team. And certainly they already worked us back in, uh, back in San Antonio. Um, you know, and I just, I, I couldn't help but feel that same sense of, ah, that was that, ch-? like, you had to go, you had a deep team, you had home court, you had these things. And who knows what happens after you get past that weekend if you do, right? Like, we wouldn't know what happened. You know, just, I don't know. It's yeah. sports, right? It's hashtag sports. And that's how it works. Yeah. And that's why you that's, that's the kind of emotional reaction people have. Was, but then two like, years from now, nobody's going to expect it. And the Jays are going to make another Sweet 16. Or they're going to make another early day. You know what I mean? But we know why that happens, though. Like, I understand. Like, some, some great team is going to come along and make a Sweet 16 in men's basketball. They're gonna come along and make a sweet sixteen in women's basketball. Like they're gonna, they're gonna win a national championship in men's soccer. Like, but that's not gonna like make that men's soccer team 
that's not going to take away what John Torres did and Ross Hawley sure. to be the first team to crack through and bring them to that level. Or what J.D. Winters is able to do to bring them to that level. Like, that, that's why you remember those people because they, they set the tone. Yeah, they're the pillars of why. They're, they're the ones you stand on their shoulders to ascend to greatness. Like, that's how it works. So yeah. you, have to, you don't just jump from 0 to 60. You have to, like, climb the ladder and what well, right. and I started checking out all those guys that will do they're the ones who are up on a few rungs of the ladder there that said that is telling future Blue Jays that walk in DJ Soul Arena look look at the banners that's your standard now and below that you should feel disappointed and you should strive to achieve what we've already achieved and more like sure. that's kind of what you're saying to all the little kids that catch the levels every day when they're naked around the starting lineup you know all the ones that wait for all after all those matches like you become the role models and the example, and there's going to be a number five hanging in that rafter, hanging in the rafter of the digital arena because of what Jay Lewis was able to do. Um, you know how many records she holds, all the first she did at Perry Volleyball, and, and and for coaches it's like tough to ask them who your greatest player has ever been because for a coach to say it, you have to like. Put that player on a pedestal and put the rest of the players you've developed and coached below that. And a coach never wants to do that. But Megan Ballinger, who has known Jaden Winters as long as anybody on that team and played with her as long as anybody on that team, you know, that's she wasn't shy about answering that question. And it's not really a doubt in her mind as far as, uh, you know, who the greatest and player that wore a great ball uniform is. So, you know, it's not, it's not hyperbole to say that what she did was both unexpected, unprecedented, and something that will be remembered for a long time when, you know, people are coming to Harry volleyball matches 20 years from now and trying to figure out, you know, who built this thing and, you know, how it got to the level it's at right now. You know, you, you, when, you, when you talk about the coaches, it's curious and Angie. When you talk about the players, I don't know how you say it is first. So, sure, that's, that's, that's kind of the legacy that's been left now. So, you know, we'll see where the program goes from here, but... You know, at the same time that we're trying to lament the Washington loss and the what ifs and all that sort of thing, um, there's also a lot that was accomplished. So to look back on it, you know, there's a lot of things to be um, to look back on and be positive about too. Same time. All right. Well, that's a good segue into your exclusive interview with Angie Axie Barons from the Great Bible Program here on the Blue Jays Bites Podcast, live from Town Road. Angie, I uh, appreciate you sitting down. I know. Um, get everything wrapped up, but the the, the uh, emotions are probably still a little bit fresh from Saturday, so um, I appreciate you guys kind of trying to relive it in such yes. a quick time, but yes. I figure now is a better time than ever, so exactly. um, sort of bringing back the memories, but yep. I guess um, yep. just in terms of Saturday, uh, to start it off there, I guess, at at what point did, did you kind of get a sense that... Um, Washington was kind of like taking control of it, and it was going to be, if if you were to rally, it was yeah, going to be a really yeah. uphill challenge, I guess. Um, I would say probably midway through the first set. You know, we came out, we served aggressive, and I felt good. Like, we aced a girl twice, and that was our target. Mm-hmm. And right away, I was like, all right, this is, you know, we're following game plan. We're getting them out of system. We're kind of doing things that we talked to the girls about doing. <clears throat> and then mid, uh, probably midway through the first set, um, I just felt like our hitting efficiency overall, like things were not clicking mm-hmm. with our hitters and the setter connection. And uh, Washington's block definitely disrupted us right away. Um, 
as I guess not all people look at the box score, but our yeah. uh, hitting efficiency numbers were way down from uh, other matches that we've played in mm -hmm. the past. So I think just having um, getting blocked right away, you know, always puts a a sense of um, I would just a sense of doubt in your hitter's yeah. mind. You know, when when things aren't going well, you kind of second guess yourself. And I think a few of our players, you know, not being able to get kills, uh, you kind of second guess yourself. You get frustrated and. When things aren't going your way, it's mm -hmm. hard to it's hard to work out of that. And I just felt, um, I just felt it was hard to get kills on our end. Yeah, did I don't know how this might be a silly question, you, so you don't have to dig into the details uh -huh. of it is, but how much of just in terms of like sightline and dealing with the block, South Dakota seemed like they were more focused on digging your hitters as opposed mm -hmm. to putting walls in front of them, just based on the size sure, of the advantage sure. you guys had. Compared to Washington, which was putting everything in front of you, yes, uh, especially Taryn and Jaylee. I, mean, I think their yeah. coach Cook talked about wanting to take away the things that they do well and mm -hmm. make them hit uncomfortable shots. Um, yeah, did that play a factor at all, just in terms of the opponent from the night before versus the one you faced on Saturday, and the in the difference in the angles you guys had sure. to use? A little bit, and but I, you know, in the, looking at our matches in the past, we've played both types of teams. I, I always see South Dakota as kind of like a Villanova type sure. of team. Like they're a little undersized. Um, defensively, they're scrappy, scrappy as hell. Mm -hmm. um, versus we played Nebraska. Nebraska probably matched up block wise, like size wise, to what Washington had. So um, it's just a, a different mentality. Like South Dakota, you know, we have Terrence 6'4, Jaylee 6'2. We have just bigger kids across the board that it's a little easier to get kills when you have some blocking deficits. When you have a, uh, what their center was 5'9. Mm -hmm. So it's a little easier for an outside to get a kill against a five nine six foot setter, just because we're physically yeah. um, more dominant than them. Um, Washington, Washington is, does a good job. They have a philosophy. Um, they're a gold middle squared defense where they protect the middle of the court. So their blocking strategy is they're big kids. They swing block, but they also swing block back into the court. And Jaylee and Taryn are special, you know, when they have holes. Mm -hmm. So. Obviously, um, Keegan did a, did a good job of, you know, always kind of have four, committing their middles to having four hands in front of our outside. So mm -hmm. they were taking that scene where Jalen and Taryn usually can sneak a lot of balls through and get kills. So they were forcing um, our hitters just to do things that we normally don't do to get kills. When you guys came out for the third set, obviously... <clears throat> This group hasn't had a problem with their backs against the wall yep. in certain matches, yep. but I guess with the pressure of having it be now or never, mm -hmm. um, it seemed like you guys responded to that moment. At least you guys weren't going to lay down and let them beat you 25-15 yeah. and things yeah. like that. Um, and you even had a chance to steal it late and continue the match mm -hmm. um, before they rallied. I guess one more time this season, what did you like out of the way your team responded in a situation where they had no choice, uh -huh. I guess? Yeah, and... Honestly, we've never been put in that situation. What Xavier was probably the last match where we were right. down 0-2 and came back and you know won the match in five. Um, with this team, I like that just they give fight. Like no matter what the scenario situation is, they'll come out and compete uh, right away. Unfortunately, the chips didn't fall away at the end. You know we were up 23-20 yep. and just couldn't put the ball away. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the the Achilles heel of the entire match. Is just we couldn't find ways to get kills. Yeah. And it kind of but it's in the butt at the very end. Um, you know, Kirsten isn't, I, I, you know, I sat through a, a handful of these end-of-year 
final match press conferences, mm-hmm. and she's always done a really good job of kind of keeping everything in perspective and, yep. you know, talking about the journey and the process because that's kind of what you guys hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was a rare moment in that press conference where she got a little bit emotional because I think she knows how special this group oh. was. Um, was it harder to have this one end as soon as it did just... I'm not trying to bring out your emotions here, so I'm sure you're going to, but I mean, just in terms of how everything this group was able to do, in terms of raising the bar for what you guys now have Uh as a baseline, maybe expectation for the program going forward. Mm -hmm. It was hard, you know, we had an awesome group of seniors that's been through, you know, four Big East champions, uh, regular season and tournament, and Sweet 16, Elite 8, so this was a special group of kids that, you know, we had the experience in the tournament, and... Um, you know, we all thought we had the the makings of doing something special this year, and, and when you get beat the second round, mm-hmm. and your goal is to get to final four, it's hard to it's hard to um, yeah, it's hard to not look at it uh, look at it as a, a special season. But it's hard to have the conversation on Saturday that you were expecting to have in a, oh, yeah. in a week or in two that's what I told the players. Like speaking of them, like that's I just hate trying to prepare. You know, the last. The last speech of the season of you know trying to convey what a special season it was because you're so just just upset in the moment that it's yeah. it's hard and you don't want to have that talk and the talk happened a week or two too too sure. soon than you know what we wanted to wanted it to. I kind of want to go through uh, each of the ones that that definitely laid it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sam wears her emotions on her sleeve and. Uh, for her whole career, it's been a good thing. Yep. Um, Saturday yep. was a sad thing. Yep. So, but I mean, just what you, you know, what she had to go through the last week of the season to get herself healthy yep. enough to play. Yep. Um, if you were able to zoom out a little bit and just kind of like be um, happy for her that she was able to come back and play mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament and not have, you know, kind of like a, a silly warm up end her career prematurely. Yep. Exactly. Um, I guess from your perspective, how cool was it to see that? She at least got to go out on her terms, whether, yeah. whether it was earlier than she wanted to or not. Yep. And Sam, Sam of all people, like, Sam wanted to play the next day that she got hurt. Like, she, in her mind, like, she she could play. And we're like, Sam, uh, you, you, you can't even walk, like, from the bench to, you know, the locker room. So, mm-hmm. in her mind, like, she wanted to play. So, after the Big East Championship weekend, she just did a great job. She came in Sunday, did rehab, came in Monday. So, she was, she was very diligent on doing the things she needed to do to be ready for the NCAA tournament. So just her just her wanting to play, you know, she did everything that she needed to do to be ready for Friday. Uh, Sharon mentioned something in the in the post-match that I've kind of always wanted to ask her her whole career, but just never seemed like the right time or anything like that. Um, but, I mean, obviously when she started her career here, she came in as the highest-ranked recruit you guys have ever brought in. Correct. Um there were a lot of expectations for her. She gets injured right away, mm-hmm. decides, you know, do you want a red shirt? Do you want to play through it? You know, because you're kind of like, you know, losing um, rotations here with the amount of time you've been out. It's yeah. going to be hard yep. to work your way back into it. Um, but she did. She had a strong NCAA tournament at that end of their freshman year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids, I think, in, in for, you know, whatever reason, right or wrong, it's not up to us to judge, but they, they would transfer or go somewhere else or try to find a better fit or, sure. you know, try to, like, manufacture the situation to the best of their control and she didn't do that she kind of she sat through she fought through all the adversity that she faced earlier in her career and you know finished it as a blue jay i guess have you ever thought um about just what she had to go through and her decision not to leave and Mm -hmm. um 
because she mentioned how tough it is for kids like that sometimes they decide to go but for her to stick it out the whole time evolve as a player um, evolve her mindset in her Mm -hmm. senior year and to finish it as well as she did I guess yeah you're right she came in you know she was the the highest recruited kid we've ever had and we at that time had a Jess Bird who was our starting outside who took up that spot and then uh Jaylee and Taryn were kind of fighting for the outside and Jaylee just edged her a little bit so we you know decided to put Jaylee on the outside so Taryn was switched to a position on the right side, but she's never really played. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she she didn't love it, but she did it. And um, when was oh um, North Carolina? We had an injury. Yeah. On the outside, just so we just ankle, bird, yeah. yeah, just rolled her ankle. And Taryn, we asked Taryn, "Hey, Taryn, uh, this is your time to play the outside now." So we you know put Taryn on the outside. We put Mel- Melanie Jerome, who was sitting the bench on the right side mm-hmm. and, you know, made it to the Sweet 16 that year. So yeah. it is hard when you're, you come in um, kind of to have an idea of, like, what your expectation is of your freshman year mm-hmm. and kind of not getting what you thought you would get. But I thought Taryn did a great job of, even though her ideal spot, she didn't really want to play the right side, but, you know, she's a role player for us on the right side and she did what her team needed her to do and, you know, what we wanted was a big block and someone that could be consistent on the right side, and she did a great job doing that. And then uh, it was funny, switching her to the outside during the NCAA tournament, she, like, just had a coming-out party. Yeah. And she just killed it. So from then on, she never looked back and just was awesome outside for us the uh, rest of her four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to put uh, Jaylee Winter's career in perspective for – you know, people that are either, you know, have started following you more closely the last couple of years and don't really understand how good Jaylee's been her whole entire career. And, and and for me, I guess, following Creighton Athletics as long as I have, uh, I think since, you know, the last, like, 20, 25 years or whatever, there's, like, pr- the programs kind of have, in terms of players, you can say, you only need to say one name, you don't need to say their last name, and you know mm-hmm. that the impact that they had. And I think, you know, with men's basketball, it's either Doug or Kyle, whichever way you go. Yep. Um, yep. Women's basketball, Connie, um, Ben Soccer, Johnny. Like, you don't yep. need to know. You know sure. who they are without sure. saying their last yes. name or explaining that. Yeah. And I guess my question is, for the people that follow this program in the future and think back on what you guys have done here in the last four years, um, is Creighton Volleyball going to be, or is Creighton Volleyball going to be synonymous with Jaylee? Are people just going to know that name in terms of how special she was and mm-hmm. the type of career she had and um, – I know the coaches are in an awkward position if you want to say she's the greatest or not because you have to, if you say that, then you're almost minimizing everybody else that you've exactly. ever coached. But um, <laughs> it's a tough position there. Yeah, but uh, Megan, yeah. had, Megan said that she's the greatest. I know people around the program have said it. Um, but just in terms of her mm-hmm. importance and her her impact on the program and raising it to the level that it's at right now, is is it going to be hard to forget the career she had? It is. And I don't think we expected Julie to to be such an awesome player as she came to be. Um, what was special about Jaylee, and I think we talked about this before, just her, she is a diehard and will do anything she needs to do to win. And mm-hmm. when it's crunch time, like Jaylee's special, like she wants the ball and she gets it done. So, um, yeah, in that aspect, we just, I think Jaylee's going to re- be remembered of just, you know, she did offer us a great six rotation outside that won the ball and was crazy competitive and, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big loss, and I think she's obviously left her mark on the program, and 
I think you're right. I think people will know Jaylee Winter's name for a long time in the future. When uh, I like this recruiting story. I don't know if you want to retell it or not, but it's funny because Mendoza went out to see Ballinger um, and then ended up texting or calling Kirsten saying, uh-huh. hey, this, by the way, this Jaylee kid. Like, yep. What do you remember about the recruitment of, of Jaylee and, and yeah. kind of how it came together, even though you guys were, no, were the, focused on Yeah, the funny thing is I think uh, – I think I was the first one to initially see Ballinger, uh, like, way, way back in the day. I'm like, I like this kid. She's she's steady Eddie. She, you know, does a lot of good things. She can play outside. She can play middle. She can play right side. And, which uh, she has done for you so nice. Which she has done. Nice analysis. Yes. Cause and she exactly, can set, so yeah, she can do it all. Really. Uh, but, yeah, Jaylee was on her team at the time. And uh, Jaylee was good. But I would say she became really good her senior year. Like, she, her junior year in club volleyball. I mean, Obviously, from the eye test, you could be like, hey, that kid's pretty athletic, and yeah. she has a pretty good arm. But she wasn't, like, just, you know, wowing, wowing you off the court. Um, when she committed in the following year, uh, her senior year in club, that's when, like, coaches would come up to be, come up to us and be like, you guys got a great recruit in Jaylee. Like, she just, something that senior year, like, she became a really, really good player really? her senior year in club volleyball. And that's when people started, like, Probably second guess, second guessing themselves of uh, why is, we probably should have recruited that kid. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she uh, from her junior year in high school to her senior year, that's kind of when she just blew up. When did you get a sense of the the non measurables, the the special part of her? Uh, honestly, not until she came to campus. Like really? it's hard, it's hard for just recruiting any kid. I mean, you can sit and watch, but you have to kind of be in a gym for an extended period of time to really get to know a kid's personality of you know how they are when things are good, how they are when things are not good. Um, and it's hard to do that when you're recruiting the high school kids just because you're limited recruiting opportunities and you just don't have the time to watch a kid mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. and over. Um, so probably not until she came her freshman year. Like her freshman year, like we got a pretty special kid. Like just the intangibles that she brings to to the game and just her competitiveness. Like we just didn't know that until she actually got to, uh, to campus. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, we'll just wrap this up by just talking about the young players on the team, getting to watch that group uh-huh. work every day and learning lessons from them. I know you've mentioned Jayla is kind of wired like Jaylee is in terms of her competitiveness, um, and she showed it in the Big East tournament when yep. like, like, put you in a position you never played before exactly. in your life in a do-or-die match, and she didn't blink. Exactly. Um, and then Keely's been registering all year, and uh-huh. I know everybody's high on her, and um, and then Kari obviously had a great year as well, yep. and uh, yep. just your 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 whole freshman class, I guess the the group that you guys brought in, mm-hmm. um, and all you saw out of the youngsters, yeah, you know, in this big season. I think this freshman class is going to be special as well. Um, three, so Annika Annika has played a little bit, and mm-hmm. with Annika, the more she plays, like she's going to be really good. Like she just needs to have some playing experience, and. Um, this spring will be good for her to get into the weight room and get stronger mm-hmm. uh, for us. So I think you'll see her find herself on the court um, maybe next year, if not the, the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, Keely, Keely's probably been my biggest surprise really? of coming in, um, just fundamentally. And I always joke with her of Keely, like when we first got you in August, like your passing was horrible. And I'll tell it to her face because she's just, mm-hmm. she's a kid that will take it. And just, I think redshirting for her was probably the best best thing for everyone, just because the growth that she's seen, not only in the front row, but just, like, her all-around play. Like, her, her back row play was okay, mm-hmm. but now it's it's pretty good. Like, she 
when I see her past Mike Keeley, you like she's just light years better than when she came in. Um, and having that extra with her, she worked out with her strength coach a little more. Mm. Just because, you know, physically she's not... She was able to put more into that. Correct. Side of it. Yeah, yeah. So just seeing her kind of getting bigger, faster, stronger, which we'll see from the freshman this spring because mm-hmm. I'll be more consistently lifting with our, our strength coach. Just, yeah, Keely's just body control is light years better than when she came in just because she has a sense of, you know, using her core and um, Brad Schmidt, uh, who does our strength conditioning, does an mm-hmm. awesome job with our, our athletes on, on making them, you know, what we want them to be on the court. Uh, Kari, as you saw Kari, Kari played a little bit at the beginning and then kind of finally found her self on the right side this the past half of the season and mm-hmm. she's a kid that she is she is a competitor as well as you see she's on the court like, like heartbeat emotionally she yeah she yeah. is she is super competitive um and with Kari it's it's having her try to be more steady Eddie like okay what my goal is the spring I'm gonna work with her of just being more consistent like she's probably never hit a lot of like high balls mm-hmm. out of system stuff and on the right side, we've never really had a an awesome out-of-system right-side hitter that can, you know, be as good as our outside hitters of just going up and taking good rips at the ball when the ball's, you know, off the net. So Curry's going to have a lot of work this spring of of hitting nice high balls and so we can get her to score out-of-system. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jayla, um, Jayla was probably put in the hardest position. And, you know, coming in as a as an outside hitter, you have two great outside hitters yep. in front of you. Um, but the good thing with that kid is she found her way on the court. Like, we weren't expecting her to play a lot, but she found herself, you know, playing right side. Like you said, she came in for Sam in the Big East tournament, which as a freshman, that would scare a lot of freshmen, especially playing a position that you've never played mm-hmm. in probably the biggest match that she's ever played in. And she didn't skip a beat. She came in. She did her job. She passed she probably, I think her numbers were the best of all passers. That's what I heard, yeah. In both weekend matches. That's and, crazy. And that's Jayla's forte. Like, Jayla's ball control is is really good. And that's going to be hard to keep her off the court because we just need those kids that can, can pass the ball, that can play defense. So mm-hmm. um, we could put her back on the outside, and outside is kind of her home spot. So she kind of did a little tear and clothe thing of she played right side. Mm-hmm. Not really her position, but she did it, and she did it well. Um, but her position will be on the outside again. So we'll get her kind of trained back up on the outside and really start working with her on on uh, getting her shots back on the outside. Cool. Well, hey, I just want this on the record because um, it's not something I think people probably take it for granted with going with coaches. You're like you're expected to just kind of do media and do interviews and mm-hmm. throughout the season, but I know how precious your guys' time is in terms of all the preparation you guys go through um, and dealing with the team and all that. Uh, so I appreciate the time you guys gave all year. You were yeah. very generous with it. If you said no, it was because you couldn't, not because you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and congratulations on another great year. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch up with you guys in the spring. Thanks, Matt. All right, man. Great interview. Um, really appreciate you taking the time with Coach Barrett's. Um, but I, you know, um, obviously the the tourist. We get a Hondo. What? Man, we get a Hondo, right? Yeah, we got some questions. No, but let's take some questions first. Oh, yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, we got some questions answered. Sorry, you got, or got some questions answered. Fire away. Fire away. Okay, coming in hot from Brian. Did the Jays just run out of gas against the Zags? And what is their practice schedule this week? So we've already touched on the practice schedule, right? They're taking a run off. Okay. And then they've got... He wants to know the practice schedule for this week? Yeah. 
like what days they're practicing. I mean, he just wants to go to practice too. Look at brother up. I mean, he wants it though. I mean, I don't think they want to show up. They're taking them all off and they're practicing every single day. There we go. Okay, but so for the first half, that's that's question. Yeah, they're not. No more days off for practice. No Brian, you can't come practice. I mean, yes, yes. They're not going to do it though. Change in the afternoon. Do they run out of gas? Do they run out of gas? I know my answer. Do you want to answer it? Yeah, I don't think they're running out of gas. I don't think they're running out of gas. I think it's, it's too easy to say. No, I think Gonzaga took. I think Gonzaga took the wheel. Yeah. And controlled the car. Right. But I don't think Craig was out of gas. I think they would have followed the illustration all the way through. No, I think, like I said, I think Perkins uh, took control of the game. Could yeah. Have, you know, kept the thing on the road and driving the pace that he wanted to. But no, I think Craig had enough energy to finish that one. I don't think they were tired. I mean, they were tired because. How Pace was better playing that. Right. Gonzaga was tired too, so. I mean, that's the one. Like, it wasn't like Gonzaga had fresh horses and Craig was like gasping from air. Right. They had enough energy to beat Gonzaga. That wasn't the reason they lost. Friday, or uh, I'm sorry, after the Saturday, after the after the number eight timeout in the first half, I mean, a number of us in section 123 just looked at each other like, first of all, this is awesome and super fun. And this pace is crazy. Yeah. Not the pace and speed of the game necessarily. There were only really two times in the game where I felt like. I think there was a big stretch where I thought Matt was going to call a timeout in um, before one of the TV timeouts, and he kept it going. And essentially, he had a chance after the Zags had knocked down a couple shots with about 8:40 to play, and they were they, they rode it out. And I think the next stoppage was like in the low sixes, and I thought that that was where you could start to see guys kind of both on both teams on both sides kind of walking up the floor a little bit more slowly. Just the pace was starting to get to him with that long without a break. Um, but I don't think the pace in the first half especially. You know what's actually big out of the time? I really thought it was the first half because, I don't know if you remember, but they played, that was it. The final like four or yeah. three and a half minutes at the last media. They skipped the whole thing to right. the stoppages. Because I think they had a lot of things that I was really starting to feel. I think, I think they took the under four at like 2.20. Yes. And then yeah. it was the second half when it happened to Max side. Okay. And they just let it roll out without taking that time out, which, you know. Um, but anyway, I think it was just, there was a lot of shot making going on. I mean, that three that Mitch took from the top of the key where he just sized things up and the defender was in a decent spot, but he was just not having enough. Okay, no, man, no. He was just, he just popped quick. That's, I thought, that was um, a harbinger of good things to come for the Jays. Obviously, Tyshawn was knocking, but I kind of joked about it at the start of the show, but when, and it segues into my next question here, but, you know, when Samson Frawlin's coming out, knocking down the top of the key three, Get the place. Don't mind if I do off the Yeah, if he was looking down his scouting report, like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, it looks like he might have played for one of my old Gonzaga teams right. in the past, right? But um, I thought this was a really good question from our, uh, our, from our friends at Script Town. What's your take on the play of our bigs versus the Zags? Love seeing Sam put the ball on the floor. Um, they got some, I mean, I think Jacob had a perfect day in the field, added a couple block shots as well. I know RT got called on a really early, I think, what, first possession down for Gonzaga got called on a tick. Um, yeah. And I know that he ended up with 10 and 6. But uh, what, were your, what were your impressions of the digs against Gonzaga? Uh, so I kind of felt like it was a tough game for Big Man. I thought that was a garbage yeah. game. So sure. I don't know how much to take away from it. I thought the game was definitely played, and especially on offense. Yeah, on the perimeter. I, I definitely think they're defensively they weren't providing much resistance. Um, but, you know, Brandon Clark and Rui Hashimura are really good basketball players at the same time. So, like, you can probably play the defense and they'll still probably get a bucket on you. Um, 
Right. Yeah, I don't know how much to stay away from that. I think I'm really curious to see maybe this weekend more so because I think Nebraska, I think Creighton has an advantage there, certainly in depth um, and the pace they're big men like to play at. So I'm, that's the one I think will be easier to grade um, in terms of performance. I just think the Gonzaga game was a guards game and it was tough for big men to kind of put their imprint on the game. But I thought I thought everybody kind of did good things like Samson's three and then I think he had a layup. Um, off the drive on Clark. And, yeah. You know, I thought Jacob was doing a good job sitting ball screens, running the floor, uh, you know, putting pressure on the rim. Martina, I think, had a drive from like, the top of the key down for a two minute slam. Like, like, I was like, in the dude's face. I was like, I had these big men in the game who were like, post up, post up, post up, post up, slam up. Like, right. I was like, like I think I did that, like, in my like, NBA live Yeah, exactly. Like, back on, back on, back on. Back on. Right. Yeah, so. You know, that was really impressive because Clark's one of the best shot blockers in the country. So, um, yeah, there were moments, but we'll see. I think they're still, you know, the jury's still out, maybe. They're certainly talented, but we'll see how much of an impact that is. Because I think, I think there's, like a, you know, there's a lot of wings on this team, and there's a lot of shots to go around in that core alone. So, you know, we'll see how the base continue to develop. But I think, I'm, I think they've developed so far pretty well. Um, you know, with Martin coming off the ACL, Jacob coming off the knee and yeah, was, and Sam playing his first year of sure. basketball. Like there's, it's so hard to work in progress. I think they're I think they're going in the right direction though. I think Jacob to me has looked like he's physically been improved yeah. the last couple of weeks. I think he was running all the sprints in practice today, which is rare. Like that hasn't always happened uh, since they've been rehabbing the knee. So that was if you must be excited to how he practiced today. Like he was running all the sprints with all the team with the whole team yeah. today, which means that the knee is cooperating with him. That it's not having to like. You know, work with it, so that's a good sign. But they've got a nice little set now because they play Saturday, they've got this full week, they're practicing obviously, but no game until Saturday. Then the next week is finals week, I think, right? Or is the week, yeah, so then they go no weekday game that week, home game on a Friday night against Green Bay. Um, and so I think that helps too. I mean, I, it only seems like they are getting knocked on all the wood in the strip town a little healthier um, in the post in particular, so that'll be good to see because they'll need it against. Uh, the conference slate of their schedule. Um, okay, we'll do the prediction for the Saturday's game here in a second, but as I mentioned, a couple road games left for the Jays to try to pick up a win in the non-conference side of things. Our good friend Joey Tempo, who must be home with the kiddo tonight, uh, ears are burning. He wants to know what, what the Jays need uh, record-wise in the pre-conference season to get an at-large bid. Oh, jeez. Math class. Here we go. What, from an optics standpoint, yeah, I'm trying, to figure out, I'm trying to figure out what the league is going to look like, I guess. Who I figure will be SLA turning teams in the Big East. Um, so, what are they at now? 6 and 2. 6 and 2 with 5 out of Green Bay, Oklahoma, Co College, UOKC. So, you know, 3 of those are probably W's. 3 of those are only W's. Man, I wouldn't be surprised if they won all 5 of those games, honestly, but. I watched Oklahoma against Wisconsin. They did not look very good. I watched them against Florida, too, and I yeah. didn't either of them look very good. But sure. I mean, that's going to be a tough game to win at on the road. So, right. I don't college basketball in general. Uh, I certainly think Nebraska is tired of losing the Craig, so they're going to come off fired up. But it's tough to say that's a win for the Jays. Agreed. Um, I'll just say 4 and 1. They'll split Nebraska Oklahoma. Okay. That's what's over at 10 and 3. 10 and 3. And then yeah, and I think 10 and 3 um, with wins over what? Clemson. Like one of the Nebraska, Clemson. And then I guess maybe the perception of playing Ohio State and Gonzaga close 
combined with the fact they beat Montana, East Tennessee State, Georgia Jeez. State, those are three teams that are going to win a ton of games this year. Um, so that's only going to improve Craig's metrics because those teams are going to be really good. So I think that's because those are teams are good. Those are all whatever the, for the for whatever the NET is worth. All of those games you talked about, Georgia State, Montana, uh, those are all ten or more point wins. Um, and so that factors in, I think. So then I think 10 and 8 in the Big East probably is enough after that. Okay. So, yeah. We can do that. I think 20 units total. Plus, I'm sure the NCAA has figured out a way to make this new ranking system benefit the large conferences and screw the little ones. I mean, apparently, it's just a sorting system, so, you know, okay. it's not gospel, but. Alright. Yeah, I agree. It's okay. So. Big East. <laughs> another question? What's are you reading these out loud and laughing yourself? Yeah, I'm reading these live. Tell me about the former Craig Baseball player not wants to know was the previous tweet, uh, IEPA or two talking. I don't know if he's talking to Joey Tempo or not. Uh, anyway, no, I'm not drinking right now. Okay, so we've got uh, Script Time also wants to know our prediction for Saturday's Craig Nebraska game. We haven't done a ton of predictions yeah, before. That's before. That's I don't know if we should. I'll let you go first because you're the warrior. I am the warrior. Uh, this one smells like Husker win to me. Okay. I think that's a prediction. We have a score prediction for Great Nebraska. Who wants to? Yeah, John says, John says 80 to 70 Jays. 80 to 70 Jays. 80 to 70 Jays. <laughs> All right, so the crowd thinks the Jays are going to win. So yeah, that's what John says, 80 to 70 Jays. Um, I, think, I think Nebraska probably keeps it more in their ballpark. Uh, what they want, and so uh, I hate I hate to to say it. I think it'll probably end up closer. But to you wouldn't be you if you weren't, though. I mean, you gotta be pessimistic. Dude, that's it's not a thing. It's my least favorite game of the year. I am here. It doesn't matter if they're playing at home or away. We've owned Nebraska for years. Those fans like won in Camp Out Nebraska like three thirty three and winless. Like, do you still worry about it? Like, sure. Really? Because at that point, who again has more to lose and more to lose? So, um, I don't know that yeah. if Tim Miles is going to beat Matt, it has to be this year. But then again, I said that the year, you know, I said that the year after. We've said it before, right? Well, yeah. yeah. We've said it a few times about a few coaches, right? Watching Pet, yeah. Watching Pet away just jacked trays and missed that year. And Watching Jack Trey and Chris at McDermott. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. And then this week, same time. We could do an entire podcast of all the nights that the Jays have played well against the Brass that have made me so, so happy. We're not going to do that. But um, they will have a special after they if they if they do it again in Lincoln. Oh, well, yeah. please. Well, I'm greatest hits on Monday. Well, I'm great, great Nebraska greatest hits. Oh my God, that sounds good. Um, so but let's talk about great beat Nebraska because they did that on Sunday, right? Yeah. So that's a good segue. But you wait, you just slipped you slipped out of there without a prediction. Are you one of those media guys that doesn't do predictions? I don't like to make predictions. Okay. I think I have enough bad predictions in there. We go. I don't think there's that short time. I had to say it's the problem that my all big these questions he made. There's still time, I guess. There's still time. There's still time. He makes three corner threes on base on an outplay. Yes, right. That works. The new thing. No, I know the women's basketball team comes through, saves the weekend on the hilltop. They beat Nebraska. I feel like that was such a breath of fresh air for the third. Just watching their reaction on Twitter, people going, holy crap! 
want to thank the guys and gals from Script Time again. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, I want to thank the Jays fans for coming out. Look at that over there. That's some, there we go. I like that. Um, and make sure that you guys follow us on all our platforms as we try to bring you up to speed on our upcoming live slate of shows. Going to try to get Johnny Torres in sight. Uh, uh, he probably doesn't know that right now, but we're calling it out on the air, so that's great. We're um, efforting Johnny Torres, right? As they say. Brian says things out loud. Hey, man. <laughs> say it enough times, maybe it'll happen. Like, uh, but yeah, we'll have the uh, well, the Jays. Um, uh, we'll, we'll have uh, we'll have a podcast coming out next Monday live from Strip Town, and then we'll have some events coming up here as well. So, Matt Demarius, thank you as always for your expertise. Thank everybody else listening here at Strip Town and at home. I want to say have a great night, have a great week, and go Jays. What's up, Flan? Thanks for sitting down with us. Um, congratulations on the big win yesterday over Nebraska. I think. Um, you probably pulled a lot of Creighton fans off of the pedestrian bridge based on how the weekend was trending. I don't know if a loss to Nebraska in any sport would have helped their mindset, but you guys were able to get the job done. Um, so congratulations for that. But I guess in your mind, um, going into that performance and then obviously uh, digesting some of the things you did well and, and, and how you got the win, did, did things go according to plan? Or um, did you feel like that was a game you guys you know, had an opportunity to win? Sure. I mean, they've... <clears throat> I think Nebraska has a good team, but I don't. I mean, they're they're playing a lot of young players, and they'd been on the road quite a bit. They played at Washington State. They played in Miami's tournament. Then they had to go to Louisville midweek. Mm-hmm. So they've been on the road a lot, and I think that you know that matters in terms of prep time and rest time. And we um, had gotten to come home and practice a little, and so hopefully, you know, that can help us not just against them, but but kind of going forward and. Glad to get November out of the way because November wasn't very good for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I just feel like the, you know, we start we, uh, we saw some growth against Drake. I think that was um, evident, and uh, younger players who, as they played more, are are going to be more confident and going to be able to make more plays in pressure situations, and just you know, also getting. Audrey in a position where she maybe knows a little bit more about what they can do and, and they know a little bit more about what she can do with them as opposed to maybe with um, with what our last year's crew. And then I think, you know, the other part was Liv's health yesterday was, you know, like as she trends toward being more healthy, that that bodes better for us because we needed her, we needed her, her baskets. And so, uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, we felt like it was a game that both teams really needed, mm-hmm. and uh, and being at home and, and having maybe that extra day of prep uh, certainly, I, I felt like it was a game that we certainly could win. I think the the Drake game. I know Tammy mentioned it in the post game after that that you guys went into that fourth quarter feeling maybe too comfortable with the type of play you. Would, I mean, with the three quarters you guys had put together at that point, um, and probably didn't handle the close uh, nature of that contest very well, considering how Drake kind of. Yeah. Stepped on the gas there and put the like that was a sixteen point game, but that wasn't a sixteen point game. Right. You know what I mean? But so yesterday, on the flip side, what did you see different out of the way your team finished the game against Nebraska versus how they closed it against Drake? Sure. Well, it gets it got sketchy at the very end in the last three. three a little bit. You know, <laughs> that's just a, that's a product of not having, or partly a product of not having been in a close game. But yeah, we did. You know, from the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, when they hit the bank three to cut to eight, and then they score to cut it to six to start the fourth. I mean, then we played 
really well. I mean, Tatum made some big plays, and 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 Liv hits a three, and you know to get it out to thirteen, and then we kind of held on. But I do think, um, like I said, uh, just having younger players, having a little bit more experience, and you know, and I liked our fight. Like we, we the rebounding numbers were misleading because we. I think they had 13 0 boards, but they had 10 of them in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, so we did a great job, I thought, you know, rebounding through the first three quarters. And then we went small, and I thought we, we got tired. And uh, we didn't communicate. You know, we, we showed some youth there down the stretch. I didn't think we communicated very well. And then we were in rotation, and then we, they'd miss, but we were in rotation enough that they rebounded. So, but still, it was, it was good to get a, a close enough game um, and get some end game experience and, you know, have, have to deal with the press. I won't say we, <laughs> we carved it up, but, mm. you know, we made mistakes there too. But, uh, but really the stretch, like you said, from, from them getting the momentum of a bank three to cut it to eight and then scoring right out of the, right out of the, right out of the quarter break and to push that thing back to 13 uh, was, was the difference. Tatum had kind of a breakout game. Um, she's shown, she's shown flashes of that. I mean, she had a couple games last year where you thought maybe she could do that. Um, obviously, she gets caught in a little bit of a numbers game in terms of the depth chart on the roster and things like that. But, um, you know, yesterday, 18 points, career high, six assists is a career high. She had three steals, only one turnover. Mm-hmm. Just what did you see out of out of her performance yesterday in, a, you know, a rivalry game in a big situation, a game you guys needed to win? Um, what did she do well to step yeah. up for you? Yeah, well, I thought, I mean, I mean, in, in, she made plays at the end, too. Like, that's what was really good to see. Because you, you wonder with younger players, like, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to be down the stretch of a close game? Can I throw, you know, at the end when we're, when we're press break, you know, who do we want, who, who can we trust at the foul line, who can we trust to make a good decision? And, and I thought she made... A lot of plays, not just at the very end, but you know, throughout the fourth quarter, and and she did a good job. You know, she's improved as a three point shooter. I think that helps her decision making. Like, um, not that she's a kid who needs to take six or seven threes a game, but you know, she yesterday she took three and made two of them. And um, but she's a kid who can take two or three a game, and and um, and I think that's helped her decision making. And she thrives in chaos. I mean, she's good when it's. You know, we need her. To, we need her to get a little bit better when we're when we're trying to run something specific. I mean, she still can get a little sped up, but I think um, against you know they their plan was to get out and pressure us and make it difficult for passes and so make it difficult to move the ball and and I thought she did a good job of kind of exposing that and um, uh, you know just really excited that that she's <clears throat> continued to develop and uh, you know she has an attacking mindset so mm-hmm. um, and, and you know when we went small and they had their five guard in Audrey now they don't have rim protection and so she had because they got a you know they've got to go guard Audrey mm-hmm. and and even when they cross masked and put their five on either Chloe or Rachel in certain situations well they still have to go out and guard them differently than our fives and so uh, Tatum got to the rim um, you know, and, and had two big layups there in that fourth quarter. And she moves well without the ball, too. We found her, um, Liv found her on a, on a basket cut in the fourth quarter. So she's, uh, she's practiced the right way, and, and she's, 
and and you know the other part is she's gotten a lot of practice reps because of Jade's health and Olivia's health, and so she's <laughs> not that we wanted it to happen that way, but mm-hmm. I think that's part of of her development too. Um, speaking of Olivia, you know she, she didn't score in the first half; only took one shot, turned the ball over twice. So, but in the second half, she looked like old live, like old live instead of old live. Like, <laughs> um, you know, sixteen points. Uh, she didn't turn the ball over at all. Um, I think she grabbed six or five, five or six rebounds as well. Um, just did you did you see um, her kind of take a jump in terms of looking like her old self there in the second half? Yeah, well, she's been a fourth quarter player for us. I mean, South Dakota State. The game was was out of hand, but she scored. Yeah, she scored at the end of Northern Iowa in the fourth quarter, and then yesterday she had eleven. I think eleven in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, so she's. You know, she's put in the work skill-wise and, and shooting the ball. We just need to keep get, getting her in a little bit better shape and just monitoring her her throughout the game so that, you know, she can make the plays throughout the game. And you're right, she was, you know, sometimes I look out there and I think she looks like she's really laboring with her knee and, and she, dragging it. and then She gets <laughs> into those scraps, like, yeah, you know, those MC-like scraps yeah. where, you know, she'll sacrifice her body to make a play, like, do you have to coach that out of her, or do you think that's her at her best, like, in terms yeah. of just keeping her healthy? I well, our, our assistant coaches were laughing this morning about how often she fell again yesterday because she's, she's hits the floor more than any player in the league. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know she's, she is scrappy that way, and she's, she's come a long way defensively. That's why if she can get healthier, I think she's, you know, the, 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 the thing that I, you know, the first few games she played defensively, she struggled more than I thought yesterday was also probably the best she's done in terms of just staying in front of the ball and being a little more disciplined defensively. But again, that comes with she's been able to practice a little more. She feels a little better. She's in a little better shape. So all those things matter as far as <clears throat> keeping her on the floor because, yeah, if she can if she can score the way she did in the fourth quarter, you can have her out there. But if she's missing a basket and turning over a little bit, you know, with, with with her struggles to guard, um, you know, based on her injury, it's hard to keep her out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we struggled to score at times, and I thought just having her out there um, is good. And then you you know you got another playmaker. Um, so yeah, we we don't win that game if she doesn't. She had two big threes in the fourth quarter, and um, and and had the foul on the three point attempt. So right. Um, her leg almost fell off on that one. Yeah. <laughs> a little um, Reggie Miller kick. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> she limped to the line and made it. Yeah. Um, Audrey had an interesting game yesterday. So, 10 defensive boards and 3 blocks on the defensive side of the floor. Um, she finished with 18 points. So, double-double, 3 blocks, typical Audrey line. But, it was her first time in her career where she's been over 50% from the field without making a 3. So... Is that just, I mean, the way she played, it looked like a more mature version of her. I mean, have you seen this coming, like an evolution of her game where um, she's not right. so internal when the, when the long ball isn't falling, I guess? Yeah, well, only you would know that stat. <laughs> Maybe Rob. I was curious. would have known that, but that is, that is insightful. Um, yeah, I was proud of her for, for not making threes and yet getting, you know, the number of tough baskets that she did and, and the defensive rebounding numbers, obviously, part of that's a product that we went smaller 
So she was guarding her five four. So she's closer to the basket. And, and Audrey's a really good. We she's probably the best um, five player defender we have. But we typically play her on a you know more of a perimeter player, mm-hmm. face up four or whatever kind of four the other team has. But uh, you know, but uh, I thought she did a really good job of competing, not just on the glass defensively, but just contesting shots and being in the right spot when the ball went in and um, so those are things that are are going to be evaluated too but then yeah I thought uh, you know they their strategy was clear that they were going to take away the three-point line they put smaller players on her even when they went bigger they'd they'd cross match and put a put a smaller player on her um, to try to take away the three and we she did a good good job posting we 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 threw some good entry passes to her Tatum had one Peyton had one where I thought Morgan had one um, where we got her the ball. Um, so, you know, and then she finished a couple plays at the end of the shot clock, you know, where we just kind of flattened out for her and mm-hmm. said go. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there I, was I that big her, one at that when they cut the six. I think you cleared it out for yeah, her and had her go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was a big play. Yeah, I mean, her, I thought her, you know, her body language and her, you know, leading leading a group. We said we had. Basically, Audrey and five, a bunch of five seven kids out there in the fourth quarter. I mean, we we list a couple of them at five eight or nine, but they're probably closer to five seven. So I mean, you know, and that's part of the reason we struggled to rebound, but uh, in that fourth quarter. But um, yeah, I thought she was. I thought she did a good job of just kind of competing throughout the game because it was, you know, it was a little bit of a, you know, there were times where it was ugly and neither team could. Was generating much, but I th- the whole thought, first quarter probably yeah, yeah. That, that too. But uh, but you know I thought she I thought she showed good resolve. Uh, Jalen was sitting out there without the cast on. I know she did some left-handed work with uh, Chevy after practice without it on um, a couple of days ago. How yeah. close is she to kind of feeling good and getting back into the swing of things? And well, um, we hope in terms get, of using the right sure. Hand, well, we get we get we get news today. Like she visits the doctor. Um, here in a couple hours and uh, you know so early Monday afternoon and, and there's a chance that she'll be cleared as early as this week I don't know until you know after the doctor's appointment today but um, you know and I don't know that we would use her um, on Wednesday it would depend on what she looks like tomorrow mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know that would be obviously that'd be great news even if we could even if we could just get her into practice this week and get her ready for our trip to Florida. Right. But, if, but if she was available, you know, it would be nice for her to be able to play at Wichita. It's her hometown. and mm-hmm. um, You know, but uh, so that, that could be great news. We'll, and hopefully we'll know something by the, by the end of the day. Cool. Um, one last thing I just want to get you out of here on. The schedule that you put together here is kind of interesting. You, got, you had Nebraska yesterday. You have UNO on Wednesday, and then you're going to Wichita on Saturday. I know you're an old school guy, and yeah. you've been at Creighton a long time. Like, is there a little bit of extra pumping through your blood this week, knowing how many <laughs> how many Creighton rivals are on the schedule, one after the other? Yeah. Well, first of all, we needed to win. Yeah. And we need to win. Um, but yeah, it's a good scheduling's funny because it just kind of sets up the way you, you can't really control the order of games like you try, but. Um, but yeah, it ended up being a good little stretch. Uh, you know, if, if I had if I had to do over again, we'd try to play. You know, we had eight days between Northern Iowa and Drake. We would have liked a little less separation, maybe there, yeah. and to go 
you know, as to now we go Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, which is quite a bit when your mm-hmm. kids are approaching finals and, and you know, in the non-con when you're traveling. But um, it's nice to have had three, three of those four at home. But, yeah, UNO is a game um, that we've decided we're going to play, you know, annually. I mm-hmm. think it's a, I think it's good for the city and good for the state and, um, and good for them and good for us. It's in, obviously... <laughs> travel doesn't get easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, it's an easy roadie. Yeah, and Wichita makes sense too. It's four and a half to five hours, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're a good program, and um, you know it's hard. It's it hasn't been super easy to get games since we've come in the Big East. To be honest, like we get the really? the South Dakota, South Dakota State, Drake, Northern Iowa, um, that grouping of is those are great games for us, um, and I think Wichita is a good game for us too. So yeah, it'll be a It'll continue to, you know, I think our players will be excited. We told them we lost the state of South Dakota, we lost the state of Iowa, but we can win the state of Nebraska, and then mm-hmm. we can win the state of Kansas. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think for, for somebody like me, it's, um, you know, even though Wichita's got a new coach and they're in a new league, it's still still Wichita. Still Wichita. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot for the time, man. I appreciate you taking uh, time out of your morning to talk to us here. Okay. Um, good luck this week. Thanks, man. Sounds good.